hello, hello, and welcome to Just a Couple of Horrors. It's me, Brianda, here again, another fucking week with you. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, hi, how are you? How are you doing? How's your week? Mine's meh. Meh, meh. I've had a really meh week. Um, nothing eventful, nothing super exciting has happened, which isn't always bad. I guess that can be a good thing. You know, no news is good news. Um, but yeah, how are you guys doing? Is there is there anything interesting? Have you have you seen any good movies lately? Have you Oh, you know what's so funny? I was just thinking this the other day. Have you guys This is what I'm going to do. If you're listening to this, I'm going to put a poll out in the next couple of days asking you guys for your favorite top 5 horror movies, okay? And I want to hear like your genuine, true opinions because first and foremost, I love horror and I love movies and I love horror movies. Um, but I've actually gone back and started rewatching a lot of movies that I had seen in the past that I thought like at the time when I watched them that they were really good. And then I come around and I'm like, I can see a lot of holes. No, but um, that some of them are like still as fucking good, and then some of them I'm like, uh, yeah, no, um, this this looked good when it came out, but rewatching it again, not so good. And to piggyback on that, today I woke my ass up fucking early. I don't know why. Like I was just like sleeping, and then my eyes just fucking popped open. I don't know if that ever happens to you guys, where you're just chilling and then boop, you're awake. That's what happened to me. It fucking sucked. So anyways, I got up at like seven in the morning today and I was just lying in bed thinking like, really? On a fucking Saturday? Um, fine, I guess I'll just go to the gym and get it out of the way. So yeah, I know. I went to the gym. So anyways, I'm at the gym and um, like I go and I do my little workout. And then after my main workout, today was like arm and leg day. Um, I went into, I go to Gold's Gym, so I go into the, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Gold's Gym, but the gym that I, the Gold's Gym that I go to has, like, a theater, like a, like a theater, um, and they have, like, you know, treadmills and ellipticals and, like, little bikes, and it's pitch black in there, and then there's a movie playing, um, to me that's fucking awesome because it's dark. And, like, people don't have to, you know, we don't have to look at each other. Like, it's just fucking dark. And you either watch the movie or listen to whatever music you're going to listen to. But anyways, so I go in there and I, I hop on the elliptical. And I literally, like, walked in at the most random moment because this this movie's playing. And it's this guy. Um, he, like, wakes up in a cocoon. And he, like bites his way out of this cocoon that's like on the side of a wall and he climbs out but when he climbs out he falls up like he starts to float and then he's like floating and then like he sees his keychain and he tries to grab it and then next thing you fucking know there's aliens there 
and then the aliens see him and he's like trying to get away and the whole this is you can tell that this is an old movie because it looks kind of like foggy hazy um and you'll know what I'm talking about the more I get into it but the whole time that I'm watching this I'm like what the fuck did I just walk into like they like fucking grab this they pin this guy down and they put this shit like a thin layer of something all over him and it starts to like constrict against them and he's like <gasps> like gasping for air and the next thing you know they put some they make a hole and put some shit in his mouth and then like you remember like in clockwork orange where they have that device that like keeps your eye open well they like do that same shit to him and then there's like tubes and the guy's like like just fucking in the aliens the aliens are the part that like tripped me out the most because um these were some good fucking aliens like they looked they looked like aliens obviously like they didn't have noses but i have to go back and see like who did the special i mean honestly th this was a really big move in retrospect when i heard when i went in i asked for the name and i was like oh my god i'm such an idiot i know this movie um the aliens were fucking good. They looked like small people. Like, they looked like beige skin, but they had no noses. Their eyes were, like, super humanish. And whoever did the, the, the special effects, I mean, they were practical effects, obviously. Whoever did it did a fucking really good job because that, those little faces trip me the fuck out and the whole time like before they took him into that room they were like dragging him across the honestly i don't even know if it was a spaceship like a cocoon i have no idea but they're dragging him but he's floating so it was like anti-gravity honestly i think i walked in at like the perfect most random moment because i was like literally what the fuck did I just watch and I watched the movie till the end and I'm like okay I'm thinking like I think I know what movie this is but I'm not really sure um so I leave I'm leaving and as I as I'm leaving I stopped and I talked to the person at the front desk and I asked her like oh do you know what movie it is and then she pulls out the schedule and I was like oh my god I'm such an idiot and it's uh, it was fire in the sky and I had actually seen this movie when I was a kid and the same thing it it like trip me the yuck out um i had forgotten how good and weird that alien abduction scene where he's like rick where one of the main characters is like recalling it and if you haven't heard if you don't know what i'm talking about fire in the sky is um it's about like a it's about based on true you know true events of these four men getting um getting abducted by aliens right and they get like dropped back off and they go to the police or what have you and they're all like lost and confused but they're all telling very similar stories they even go through like a lie detector and it comes out inconclusive and then like i don't know how many years later they take it again and they all come back um as being truthful so anyways yeah, so when this story came out, I want to say maybe it was like in the 80s, maybe even earlier than that. Um, it like it blew people's minds. 
and the story got out and then it got turned into a movie fire in the sky if you haven't seen it please fucking go watch it and if you don't even watch the whole thing like skip forward to the part where the guy is having a flashback uh he like goes under a table and then he's having a flashback and like some syrup falls on his face and boom it triggers him um watch that whole sequence and it will just trip you the fuck out <laughs> um so back to what i was saying yeah i want to know your guys' favorite horror movies <laughs> um i'm going to i'm going to put a poll out and i want i'm curious to know what kind of horror movies you guys are into me i like everything horror related i like that like um you know old school horror freddy uh, like in your nightmares kind of shit kind of cheesy when you really look at it I like that like gore horror like saw cannibal holocaust um I like that uh just fucking traumatic what the fuck did I just watch kind of shit like hereditary or uh what's the other one midsummer um I like you know fucking monsters werewolf in england like seriously like i like all kinds of horror one of my favorite kinds of horror though um i don't know if you guys have ever seen event horizon damn that's a fucking good movie um it's like existential fucking crisis horror why because they're in space if you've seen event horizon you'll know that it's a fucking great movie and like yes it's kind of like sci-fi but ultimately it is a horror movie um so yeah that's that's what i had to say about that <laughs> so anyway today's topic um weird segue okay so today's topic is a really interesting one and it's one that i've actually been meaning to cover for a very long time because it has a very cool um symbol anyways it's the origins of the Ouija board, right? And everybody knows the Ouija board. It's like the iconic ABCs, you know, ABCD, and then like one, two, three, four, five, nine, 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 ten, goodbye, yes or no. And then you see like the little moon. It's usually like a beige um, board. And then it has, you know, the black um, letters and writing on it. So, yeah, I always kind of wondered what are the origins of this board? I'd heard things here and there but i thought you know what this is a fucking good topic so let's fucking um yeah my resources for today's episode were an article from the um smithsonianmagazine.com uh wikipedia.com apnews.com uh vox.com baltimoremagazine.com and they all had if you're interested in looking these up you can literally just put like Smithsonian Magazine, Ouija board, AP News, Ouija board, Vox.com, Ouija board. Um, they were all really, really good articles relating to this. So let's hop into it now. Spirit boards or talking boards have been around since the Victorian area, era but their origins go back even further and it's not the only type of automatic uh, writing that has been you know coming through the last couple of um, centuries one of the first mentions of automatic writing methods 
uh, using something similar, you know, as a Ouija board is found in China around 1100 AD in historical documents dating back to the Song Dynasty. The method was known as Fuji or um, planchette writing, and it pretty much used planchette writing as an ostensible means of necromancy in communication with the spirit world. And um, it was done under spiritual, you know, rituals and supervision, you know, supervision. And it was pretty much um, a central practice of the Quan Shen school until it was forbidden in the Qing dynasty. Now, other mentions of automatic writing go back to Greece, Rome, um, medieval Europe. It's in the 19th century America, you know, that the modern day Ouija board that we all know and love really made a splash spiritualism had a really it was it had been a really big deal in europe for some time but it really hadn't hit the u.s yet spiritualist uh movement is often said to have begun in hydesville new york in 1848 when two sisters kate and maggie fox reporting hearing a series of mysterious raps on their chamber doors (laughs) rapping rapping on my chamber door that's a poe reference um, but no one can discern where the raps were coming from and they manifested when the sisters visited other homes, right? So they claimed that they were being haunted by a spirit called Mr. Splitfoot. With no apparent source, the raps were contributed to spirits and they appeared to respond to the sisters' questions. So spiritualism really, its popularity surged in the wake of the civil war right it was the bloodiest war in american history it had left many grieving families longing for ways to speak to their lost loved ones who had gone to war and never returned countless of people sought consolation from um mediums people like the fox sisters who could supposedly talk to those who had passed right so the fox sisters story captivated the public and they became the first spiritualist Um, to perform for a paying audience they would demonstrate something that was called table turning for impressionable people they would place their hands on a small table and it would start to you know move beneath them apparently of its own accord Um, and they would also perform automatic writing exhibitions and the act became really really popular and they went on tour from town to town gaining momentum and gaining more recognition now in 1893 spiritualism became an official religious denomination and in 1997 the new york times reported that spiritualism had 8 million followers nationwide spiritualist spiritualism worked for the american public right it was compatible with a lot of Christian beliefs, meaning that you can hold a seance on a Saturday night with no, you know, qualms or reservations and go to church the next day, right? It was acceptable. It was even wholesome. It was a wholesome activity to contact the spirits, you know, holding a seance through automatic writing or table turning parties. Now, spiritualism also offered some sort of comfort for people during this really crazy time, right? The average lifespan was less than 50 years old women would die during childbirth children would die of disease men died um you know at war and there's even accounts of very respectable famous people um that had ties 
to the spiritualism movement. One account that I could find was of Mary Todd Lincoln. She was the wife of, you know, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and she, it is said that she would conduct seances at the White House after their 11-year-old son, what is this? Uh, died of a fever in 1862. He was 11 years old. Um, I also found a few other accounts of very famous first ladies that had an interest in the occult, um, such as Jane Pierce, Edith Wilson, Florence Harding, and Nancy Reagan. Now it's said that's my PlayStation. <laughs> sorry i accidentally nudged my playstation and it's like it's time to play <laughs> but yeah it's said that they had a very um you know strong interest in the occult and some even go as far as saying that they would write you know open letters to spirits and really take horoscopes um into their everyday life choices you know they were kind of doing that like um you know, like, uh, you know, Mercury's in retrograde right now. I can't really be making those kind of choices. I'm an asparagus, you know. So anyway, Florence Harding, um, it's said that she consulted with her astro uh, astrologer, Madame Marcia Champney, in the um, in the 1910s and the 1920s. And according to a 1988 article in the Washington Post it said that Florence Harding never made a move without consulting her horoscope you know communicating with the dead was very common it wasn't seen as bizarre or weird or anything like that it was something that was fun and popular and that was happening through a lot of American households um again going back to that you know Mercury's and retrograde kind of shit they were really really into it tying in the occult it was like a whole, it was like a whole thing. Now, in 1890, Charles Kennard put, uh, pulled together a group of four investors, including Elijah Bond, who was a local attorney, and Colonel Washington Bowie, who was a surveyor, to start the Kennard Novelty Company to exclusively make and market these, quote, talking boards, right? So they started the Kennard Novelty Company, and they were the first producers of the Ouija board. It was fun, it was entertainment, and more importantly, it was an opportunity to go into into the beyond, right? Into the unknown. Into the unknown! Into the unknown! Okay, let's just pretend that I can sing really well. Into the unknown! <laughs> now, contrary to popular contrary to popular belief, Ouija is not a combination of the French word for yes, we, and the German word ja, which is the also yes, right? So we, ja, German, yes. Um, Ouija historian Robert Murch says that based on his research, it was Elijah Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, who was, um, you know, supposedly a very strong medium as well, who supplied the fucking name to the board right so supposedly they were sitting around a table and they asked the board what they should call it and the board came up with its own name and it spelled out you i mean o u i j a right that that's what came through and when they asked the board what does that mean 
the board replied, good luck. So, you know, supposedly that's the origin of the name. Now, one thing to mention is that Helen was also wearing a locket that was bearing a picture of a woman that um, the name Ouija was above above her head, um, the picture of the locket. Now, the story has emerged from the Ouija founders, you know, people who wanted to be Ouija's. Um, and it was very possible that the woman in the locket um, was a famous author and a popular women's rights activist, Ouida, Ouida with a D, not with a J, whom um, Helen admired very much. And that Ouija was a misreading of that, right? You can see it. Ouida with a D and Ouija. You can see how somebody can make some sort of, you know, typo. <laughs> another another origin story says that um, William uh, Fold, who was a businessman who manufactured the boards, claimed that the name Ouija uh, came from using the board and that it was an ancient Egyptian word meaning good luck. When Fold took over the production of the boards, he, popular he popularized the more widely accepted, um, you know, version that we know that the name came from a combination of French and German words, meaning yes, we in French and ya yeah in German, right? So, um, yeah, that's kind of where the name comes from. So, okay, so the team had to get the patent together for the board and knowing that they couldn't get one together without some sort of support for their board, they had to do a demonstration for the chief patent officer. Now, the story goes that the officer told them that if the board could accurately spell out his name, um, the chief patent officer, um, that he would grant them the fucking patent, right? Now, supposedly... The people didn't know his name before they went into the um, into into the into the meeting, right? So Elijah Bond and Helen Peters, they didn't know. Now he'd um, so anyways, they all sit down. Um, they you know call upon the spirits, the chief, you know patent officers sitting there like, what the fuck am I doing here? And the planchette starts to spell out the patent officer's name, and just like fucking that, right? On February tenth. 1891, the fucking scared as shit, white-faced, visibly shaken patent officer awards um, Elijah Bond a patent for his new toy, right, or game, and bam, the fucking Ouija board is out. The first patent offers no explanation on how to use the board, um, just asserts, that's it, it's just there, right? This made the board very mysterious and it actually made people want to buy it even more. And by 1892, the Canard Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two um, and added two more in New York, two in Chicago, and one in London. By 1893, Canard and Bond were out, right? They were like, okay, this has been... This has been a fucking hell of a ride, but, you know, we got a lot of shit going on, whatever, whatever. So they're out. Um, and it was supposedly because they had some internal pressures of old adage about money changing and yada, 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 yada. Right. So th they're out. Um, so this is where William Fold, which I had, you know, mentioned earlier about the the appropriate that story about the 
French, oui, and the German, ja, right? So William Fold. He was an employee and had worked his way up all the way to stockholder. He had been at the company, was just kind of fucking doing his thing, and was able to work his way up, right? He was So he works his way up to stockholder and ends up running the company. In 1893, with the blessings of one of the original founders, Colonel Bowie, who was the majority shareholder and one of the only two remaining um, original you know, investors, he licensed the exclusive rights to William Fold to make the board. Now, in 1919, Colonel Bowie sold the last remaining interest, business interest in the uh, Ouija board to fold who had been like his protege like all this time and he sold it to him for one dollar so it was like legit or like legit just fucking handing the torch to the next person right now during the great depression depression depeche mode no during the great depression the fold company opened new factories to meet the demand for the boards in over five months in 1944 a single new york department sold over 50 thousand boards in 1967 the year after the parker brothers brought the game from the fold company two million boards were sold this at the time outsold monopoly y'all know monopoly right that game that you fucking play for hours and hours on end and then somebody ends up like fucking jipping you in your little fake cash and then you get mad or flip the board over and don't talk to your brother for like a day or two Maybe that's just me. Anyways, um, the Parker brothers eventually were bought out by Hasbro. And that's who ended up. Who, that's who you see making the boards now. Like if you were to go to, you know, I don't know, Toys R Us or something and look for a Ouija board, it would be, it would be manufactured by Hasbro. Now, um, strange Ouija board tales started to pop up in American newspapers. Now, in 1920, um, National Wire Services reported that would-be crime solvers were turning to Ouija boards for clues in these mysterious murders that were happening, um, you know, all around. When specifically, New York City gambler Joseph Burton Elwell. Now, in 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman um, being sent to a psychiatric hospital tried to explain to the doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania, which was like a thing that people would fucking put women in institutions for. She's 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 going through a fucking manic, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, but yeah, she said that the Ouija board um, spirits had told her to just leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Now, I know what you're thinking. And it's like, Lady, if your mom died, <laughs> um, you should you should definitely call somebody. Don't just leave their body just sitting there for fucking fifteen days and then be like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna bury her in the backyard." <laughs> but anyway, um, let let me see, let me see, let me see. In yeah, in nineteen thirty. 
newspapers uh, thrill to accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who had uh, murdered another woman, supposedly the encouragement of, you know, uh, Ouija board messages that they had received. In 1941, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that that, um, he had joined the army because the Ouija board told him in 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board's will um, of Mrs. Helen Dalpeck, who had left $1,000 to two former servants and one insane amount, $152,000, to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a lucky but bodiless spirit who had contacted via a, a spirit board so people are just fucking wilding out people are just like yo um oh yeah 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 let me see uh yeah i'm supposed to inherit uh a, a fuck ton of money from a person who i've uh <laughs> never met yeah like it was just fucking crazy now ouija boards even offered literary inspiration in 1982 the pulitzer prize winning poet james merrill said that his um epic ouija board inspired poem uh the changing light at sandover which won a national book critics circle award um yeah it got a lot of fucking hype the ouija board really was making an impact in american culture it was like mysterious and interesting and it was fun and entertaining and non-threatening right like it was just fucking inspiring people just just it, it had a fucking presence of its own right this was until 1973 why brianda why 1973 well <laughs> let me tell you in 1973 the movie the exorcist scared the fucking shit out of people in theaters People were literally fainting in theaters. Priests were being called to attend screenings. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like, like, like uh, videos of the screenings, but it would say like, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. Like people were fucking just losing their shit. Priests had to come to like screenings and bless people and, um, church attendance skyrocketed with the new fear that was brought on um with this fucking amazing horror icon movie right um we had the green vomit the head spinning the let jesus fuck you you know it was supposedly and the fact that it was like supposedly based on a true story right the implication that a 12 year old girl reagan was possessed by a by a by a de- by a demon you know pazuzu after playing with what a fucking Ouija board, right? By herself, really changed the way that uh, people viewed the board, right? And just like that, almost overnight, the Ouija, bo- the Ouija board became a tool of the devil. And for, you know, for that reason, the tool of horror writers and movie makers. They begin popping up in scary movies. Usually, you know, um, it, it was said to like open the door for evil spirits who were here to ruin your life and like doom humanity. Outside of movie theaters, the following years, the Ouija board was denounced by religious groups. And, um, you know, it was because it was like supposedly Satan's preferred way of communication. You know, if, if, 
Satan had a message, you know, he was going to come through through a Ouija board. Now, mainstream Christian denominations, including Catholicism, have warned against using Ouija boards, um, holding that they can lead to, you know, demonic possessions. Cultists, on the other hand, are divided on the issue, with some saying that it can be a tool for positive transformation, um, you know, closure, and, you know, I mean, it's a game, right? But others have reiterated the warnings of, you know, the Christian people um, and caution inexperienced users against fucking with the demon board. <laughs> um, but even within the paranormal community, Ouija boards have been, um, have, have a really sketchy fucking reputation. Uh, Robert Murch um, says that uh, when he for, when he first began speaking to mar- you know paranormal conventions, he was told to leave this his antique boards at home because they were they would scare people. Hasbro still sells hundreds of thousands of them, but the main reason why we're we're buying these boards have changed significantly. Right, Ouija boards were were spooky rather than spiritual, which you know like a little like a little. You know, a little danger, a little, little, little quiver, danger in there. <laughs> um, Hasbro ha- has released a more mystical version of the game, replacing its old glow-in-the-dark version. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I, I, first of all, I've never owned a Ouija board, but I've seen the glow-in-the-dark version. I would say maybe like late '90s or so, maybe, maybe or so. Um, you know. But uh, yeah, they, they brought the the mystical um, oracle uh, beige and black version back. Now, in 2014, the movie Ouija came out, right? And if you've seen it, you know that um, it's aight. And two years after that, uh, in 2016, Ouija Origins of Evil came out. And holy fucking shit, that movie was good. Spoiler alert. No, it's been five years, okay? Like, if, if I'm killing it for you, it's been five fucking years. If you're a horror fan, you should have seen this movie already, okay? But if you haven't, spoiler alert, fucking fast forward. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you haven't seen it, that's on fucking you. You should go watch it right fucking now. But seriously, it's one of those um, cases where the sequel is fucking better than the first. It redeems, you know, the 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 first one and it carries the torch mike flanagan who was on fucking fire right now you know haunting of hill house uh bly manor um uh the, the movie hush uh midnight mass which i was just fucking talking about a couple weeks ago holy shit the guy he's oh my god and and i just read somewhere that he's actually gonna be directing like a like a edgar Allan poe series um, which I've actually been thinking about covering because if you guys know anything about fucking Edgar Allan Poe, you know that he had a fucking sketchy ass death. That sounded weird, sorry. He had a sketchy ass death. So that actually might be something I might be covering soon. But anyway. Anyways, um, yeah. My plan against the shit. Ouija. Ouija 2. Origins of Evil. Great fucking movie. The kids who are in the movie do a fucking um, amazing job. Lulu Wilson with her creepy little vibe. 
and she fucking comes out in a bunch of other Mike Flanagan movies just fucking carries this creepy vibe with her and she gets possessed and it's like holy fucking shit fucking amazing job um the Ouija phenomenon is considered by science by the scientific com- uh community to be the result of the ideomotor 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 response um, Michael Faraday first described this effect in 1853 while investigating the whole table turning situation. Um, so it's kind of like when you, so the ideal motors response, it's kind of like when you go see a really sad movie and you cry, right? It's like automatic and unconscious motions. This gives you, um, movement, right? So it's unconscious, like the sadness is there <laughs> it's automatic right so yeah so that's the fucking Ouija board for you guys to wrap things up um let me just ask you how come people say Ouija and some people say Ouija hmm? <laughs> well I dug in a little bit into that some researchers some researchers say that it's because of a vowel harmony we say it wrong because we're trying to simplify it. Um, many words are pronounced differently and th- that they're spelled because it just sounds better. <laughs> Every other word in the English language, as a person whose um, English is my second language, <laughs> fucking try learning English when you there's there, there, and there, you know? It's just fucking try being five. And trying to understand why the word red, like the book, and the word red, like the color, are two different words. Like, there's a fucking A in there, sir. Why are these two different words the same? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, in the final syllable of uh, Ouija, the ja has an influence of the E sound in the first syllable. We, right? So the vowel from the first syllable is transferred to the next syllable, thus producing a vowel harmony. So we, G, right? That's So that's the explanation that I found be- behind why people say Ouija. It's unconscious and it's a fucking vowel harmony. Syllable is carrying over from the first syllable to we to the G. Okay, that's it. That's it. It's, it's fucking simple. Um, today, the board symbolizes everything from retro gaming, retro gaming to scary movies, you know, demon summoning, cautionary tales, and, and that sounds about right for the mystical oracle, you know? So, so what do you guys think? Is it, is it a harmless game? Is it, you know, a demon summoning device? Or is it fucking genius marketing that has transcended time, you know, social classes, and even religion, right? Yeah. And that, my friends, is the fucking origin of the Ouija board. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another week of just a couple of horrors. I, like I said before, I'm going to put out a poll for you guys, and I'm actually really interested to see what your guys' favorite horror movies are. And um, I'll definitely put out um, a list of my favorite horror movies, my top five favorite horror movies, 
please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on, you know, Apple Podcasts and every any, you know, form that you listen to. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with your coworker, share it with your neighbor. Like, please just fucking share it. <laughs> share it. um and yeah um if you have any stories that you want to pass on to me to be featured on our next personal horror story please send it to just a couple of horrors at gmail.com or you can send it to me via the instagram page um at just a couple of horrors um podcast so yeah that's what i leave you off with today i'm going to go and make myself a little bit more coffee because it's fucking late and i'm a mexican person and what what does that have to do with anything is that like mexican people fucking drink coffee at 10 o'clock p.m and then knock out 15 minutes later (laughs) so anyway Hope you guys have a really good week. Um, be kind and take care of yourselves. And remember, you matter and your fucking well-being matters. Sometimes you got to put yourself first. And yeah, don't don't let other people fucking kick you down and bring you down. Okay? Like, sometimes it's okay to take you know, to do something for yourself. Okay. All right. And and that's that. <laughs> Goodbye.